Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle, creator of the Teenage Personality Quiz. Head to TalkingToTeens.com for a free PDF explaining how your teenager thinks. We're here today with Lindsay Seeley. Lindsay is the author of Growing Strong Girls, Practical Tools to Cultivate Connection in the Preteen Years. Lindsay is a professional girl advocate. She works one-on-one with teenage girls, preteen girls, helping them develop confidence and character. She's the CEO of Bold New Girls, which is a unique and comprehensive teaching and coaching company for girls and young women and their parents. She conducts workshops with girls all over the world to help them develop skills. Lindsay's book, Growing Strong Girls, is a fantastic guide for anyone who works with teenage and preteen girls. And what I love about it is it's jam-packed with specific exercises that adults can do with teenage girls to work through each of the issues. I'm really excited to talk with Lindsay about how she discovered all of these incredible exercises. Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and talk to us about Growing Strong Girls. The book is called Growing Strong Girls. Practical Tools to Cultivate Connection in the Preteen Years. So I really enjoyed this book and I specifically was really excited about the exercises that you have at the end of every single chapter. This book is full of really, really specific things that you can do with your daughters or with the teenage girls in your life. So where did you come up with all of these um, incredible exercises and, um, and, and what finally inspired you to, to collect them all in this book? Oh, wow. What a great question. Well, essentially, this is my job. So I work with girls one-on-one and I've done so for over 15 years. And I think that I realized you can only talk so much. Their focus is only so it's limited in lots of ways. And so it became a conversation. And now what do we do? So let's draw this idea out. Let's mind map this idea. Let's create a bravery jar. And I think that then I saw the girls get the concept. They, they really understood it. And it was very tangible. And it's something they could take home with them and remember, because so often we have conversations and, and they just get forgotten. So I wanted to make it really practical and useful and also encourage parents and daughters to engage and interact. It's something essentially that they can do together. That was the purpose.
Okay, so tell me, you say this is your job, um, and your your bio says you're a, an advocate. What the heck is a girl advocate, and how did you become that, and what do you actually do? Right, well, a lot of the girls that I work with are on the shy side, and I know they have a voice, but they, they really weren't using it. And so I think this idea of girl advocate really came from my observation with them and in speaking with their parents that, that they're not speaking up. They're not expressing their feelings. They're not giving their opinions. And I understand that it's, it's hard and it's scary and they essentially were out of practice. But I think that I see myself as as the encourager to get girls to to speak up, to have a voice, to even disagree with something that I'm saying or someone else is saying. Because now in, in these young years, we're talking about in a very safe space, giving me her favorite color or telling me what she would like to do for the hour. But I think in the world, she's going to have to be talking to her teachers and working through difficulty with peers. And I just really wanted to prepare them and equip them for that. They, they have the ideas in them. They have an opinion. They know what they want. They just have difficulty getting to the place, finding those words, and also believing that their voice matters. So it's my job to, to really bring that out of girls because I believe that, that they have what they need inside of them. So why is it hard uh, for girls to have these conversations with their own parents? What do you provide that is kind of is hard for parents to do? I think that we have a societal problem that we're just all too busy, too distracted, too disengaged. And so I think with me in this golden hour that I that I said, I think that it's one hour of undivided attention where I try to engage her. And I, you know, we try to focus on something together and really build a relationship of trust and safety. And I think that, that that's hard. I think we are all overscheduled and busy and we're trying to do everything all at once. And I think, you know, as I, I talk to parents, it's, it's hard, but it's not impossible. I think it's just like, we we make time for Facebook and for Instagram and we make time to shop on Amazon. I think we need to also invest in our daughters and make time intentional. I tell parents, just schedule an hour, write it on the calendar and you covet it like it's a dentist appointment or a hair appointment and that is your time with her. So I don't think what I do is anything that a parent couldn't do. But I think that we have sometimes gotten too busy, too overscheduled, and our daughters don't get the time that they absolutely need. So one of the issues is conflicting messages that we kind of receive so many conflicting messages from the media. And you talk on page 44 about how there's headlines coming at girls like take the perfect selfie followed by love yourself just as you are or be your best healthy self and right beside how to lose five pounds in a day. So it's like on the one hand, 
we're telling girls that, oh, just be happy with the way you are and just, you know, be your best self, live your best life and be confident. And then on the other hand, we're telling them that, oh, but you're not good enough and you need to be really, really critical and wow, you really need to look different. So how do you help a girl like start to, I guess the first part is just kind of noticing that they're getting hit with those messages and how do you kind of help them start to, to see through that and, and not be affected by it? Yeah, I think these are great conversations that parents can have all of the time. I mean, there's no lack of images, whether you're watching a movie on Netflix together or you see a billboard or you're flipping through a magazine or scrolling through her Instagram with her, which I encourage parents to do. I think that these are great opportunities to educate girls, first of all, in the fact that these pictures and messages aren't real. And I like to educate girls on the fact that people, big businesses and companies are trying to sell to them. And so I think just giving them the facts is always a, a good starting place. And and really just going back to her about how she feels when she sees certain images. So if a girl is, for example, really obsessed with a celebrity and you ask why and said, oh, because she's so skinny. It's like, well, have a conversation about that. I mean, she may be skinny, but is she healthy? Is she happy? And, and helping a girl understand that we all are supposed to look different. We all have different shapes and sizes and, and getting her to own her uniqueness. And then beyond that, getting her to go beyond her body. So, you know, it's important to take care of ourselves and to look good, but not be obsessed with the look and the images that they're seeing. So I often just say to girls, you know, what else is going on? You know, what can you do? What are your dreams? What are your goals? Um, are, can you give back to others? Can you help? And, and I think the conversation then gets extended beyond these images and trying to be this ideal image of beauty and success and achievement because girls are essentially then chasing the wrong thing. Like that is not at the end of the day, what will make her happy. So it's, it's a lot, I think in that answer. Sorry. <laughs> so it's educating her and having these conversations and bringing it back to her and then shifting that focus. Right. And, you know, it's really interesting with this conflict, conflicting message, I think, of be your best self, but accept yourself as you are. And I try to explain to girls, it, it's in the right order. So if you feel good on the inside, the inside out approach to feeling good, and you want to excel and achieve and push yourself to best, that's in the right order. But I think what has happened is we flipped that order. So be perfect, achieve and accomplish but the foundation of feeling good isn't there. Right. So I think that if we work on the right order, feel good first, and then all of those accomplishments and achievements are in the right order with the right priority, but they feel better than chasing these ideas to prove your worth, but all the while not feeling good enough. So it's really, I like that inside out approach, feel good first, and then you'll naturally do good things, right? And you'll, I think a little bit of push is great, but we have a generation of girls trying to be super girl and perfect. And it's causing them a lot of stress and anxiety and mental health concerns. That's so interesting. And I really noticed this firsthand because I went to college in Los Angeles and got involved in modeling when I was there. Uh, it was, you know, tons of fun just seemed like a cool thing to get into but it was so interesting to me getting into the industry and meeting all of these models whose job is just to get their picture taken and 
I guess, you know, you, you see these people in magazines and you see these people on billboards and you just think they have it all and they must just be like so confident. But then when you start meeting these people, you realize they're just normal people and they're just as insecure as everybody else. And and, and in fact, because uh, it's an industry where you're constantly being told that you need to lose a little weight or you really should change this about your appearance, it's actually really easy to be even less confident or to feel even not not as good about yourself as you as you would if you weren't doing that. I, I, it just was really eye-opening to me, I guess, that, you know, it, it's so easy to think that, oh, if I just looked different or if I just had built in any body part here, um, then I would be happy or then I would be more popular, then I would be cooler, then I would be able to feel good about myself. But of course, that's just not the case. And like you say, that that needs to come first. And then you can go, you know, focus on how you look a, a little bit, but that needs to come from a place of that you don't need that. So how do you help girls to build that really strong internal foundation so that no matter what happens externally, they just have that like strong base to fall back on? Well, I bring it all back to this idea of sparkle. Like I love like this idea of like inner joy and happiness and and I like to just play around with girls in terms of what do you like to do and follow that interest or what do you want to develop? Because when we have an idea of something that we want to work on, whether that's horseback riding or dance or baking or cooking or whatever it is, when we actually work on it and notice improvement, that's the sparkle. It's like this moment where girls realize, wow, I made a decision, I worked really hard, and I'm getting better. No different than when they were two and three years old. And so I think it's bringing them back to some of those foundational ideas of of just do what you're interested in and what makes you happy and even do things that you think are maybe not your thing. It might be. Like, we don't know. So I think as a parent, I encourage um I encourage them to really expose their daughters to the best that they can to all different kinds of activities and, and interactions because you just never know. But all of these ideas are taking her, number one, off her screen and away from this idea of I have to change to be happy or I have to look a certain way to be happy, but it's on the inside. So really bringing her back to her heart, essentially, and, and the things that make her smile, the things that she can do where she forgets time. She's just in complete flow and immersion into whatever it is that, that she's excited about. But it's there. It's just, I think, girls have lost their way. What is up with BFFs and what what do you do if your daughter is struggling to find a BFF? Because everyone should have a BFF, right? Right. <laughs> so I always draw this one out. I'll have a circle and I'll put her in the center. And we try to talk about all different kinds of people that she can be friends with. Uh, some of them will be like her. Some of them not like her. Some of them maybe a year or two older, some maybe a year or two younger. Some are school friends, neighbor friends, church friends, soccer friends. And to try to get girls to see that it is the diversity that is going to make her the most happy. And I'll explain if, if a friend at school 
school and you have a fight and you have all these other girls or relationships in your circle, then you can just shift your focus, right? It's not as damaging and detrimental. But if you just have one friend, that BFF, and she says, I don't want to be friends anymore, you are alone. And that puts girls in an extremely vulnerable position. So it's really about casting your net wide, right? And having lots of different races and cultures and interests and personalities in your circle so that you can shift because, you know, as friendships really ebb and flow. Sometimes you're closer with some people and less close than others, but I think getting them to see that they want the the eclectic group gives them lots of choice and lots of comfort, right? When a friendship isn't going well, she has other things going on. It's so true. Like the whole idea of having a BFF is essentially putting all your eggs in one basket is um, just completely doubling down on this one friendship at the expense of um, a lot of other potential relationships. And so it really seems like a positive thing to have this really, really close friend and and it is to some extent, but um, also at the same time, yeah, it, it can be it can be limiting. That's really interesting too, because I I do have one girl in mind that I'm working with, and she does have a BFF, and and she does really love her. They are so close, and and she will not listen to this idea of putting other other friends in her in her circle, and that's okay. <laughs> so the positive in that is wow, you're such a good friend. I'm so glad you found somebody. It's great that you have so much love and you're so content with this person. And so really making that a positive too. And when the time comes and they drift apart, then then she'll, she'll really have to find these other friends. So as much as we tell them, this is not good to have just one person, it it's also an opportunity to to give her credit for the fact that she is being a good friend. And, and then eventually when they drift, you can help her find better balance. And maybe that's the lesson that, well, next time, let's just have a few people, not just one. And, and girls also need to learn that lesson on their own sometimes. And that's okay because they don't always listen. Because it strikes me that it's a similar phenomenon to romantic relationships also. Very much. Where you, you put so much into this one person and then it can be really hard when it um, it doesn't go the right way or when it, it ends that if you if you kind of leave yourself a little bit of a safety net um, and have a handful of positive relationships in your life then you kind of uh, you protect yourself but it's not always easy to tell a teenager that yeah, and that, I mean, sometimes we have to look at these things as preventative. You're just, you're having the conversation and, and hopefully that helps, right? But I think that it, it's about talking to her and putting, planting the seeds, really, um, getting her ready. And, and then that's, that's the very best that we can do. We're here with Lindsay Seeley talking about her book, Growing Strong Girls. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. I think that when it comes to girls, they're just, they're just looking, they're longing for something. They're, they're wanting to fill time and space or they're avoiding something. And it's all about the phone. 
yeah, really shortly I tell parents, don't do that. (laughs) 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 Making it about you. (laughs) Yes, we could say parents should be available 24-7, but not necessarily. (laughs) If the night before a field trip, she's scrambling to find all of what she needs and put it in her backpack and it's 10 at night, and she's like, mom, mom, help me. I think that that's is the type of boundary where you say, you know what, that's something you should have done earlier. So you're going to have to choose better next time and and do the best you can. But I think that many, many parents give and it's, it's amazing, but they might give too much. So you have to take care of yourself first so that you have more energy to offer your daughter. But I think that means, you know, she can't just drop bombs on you whenever she wants she can't just come into your bedroom at all hours she can't just ask you for things whenever she feels ready on her time want to hear the full interview sign up for a subscription today you get unlimited access to all the interviews i've conducted it's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at talking to teens thanks for listening i'll see you next time